we are going to start a brand new series today called The Pursuit of Happiness. And as I was preparing for the series, I found that, that video. And I think this is a video, if you just translate it into another language and threw some different things in the boxes, this would translate any culture, any time period. Because who doesn't want to be happy? And who doesn't want the bottom falling out of your happiness, right? This is, this is a, a series that I think is going to relate to, to really all of us. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to explore some questions. Um, you know, are there things that should or shouldn't go in that happiness box? Are there things that are going to actually tear it open instead of um, really bring you joy? And we're going to ask a question. Actually, today we're going to wrestle with this one. Is there a difference between happiness and holiness? And are the two even compatible? We're going to wrestle with that one today. And then in a couple weeks, I want to wrestle with this the, the question, in a world like ours where there is so much pain, should we even pursue joy? Should we even pursue happiness? Or should we just set our expectations lower? So we're going to take on some, some, some great topics within this series called The Pursuit of Happiness. And we've got a lot to cover, so I want to encourage you to just dive right in with me. If you could be so kind as to pull out your yellow sheet and write this down, um, here's a statement I want to make, and then I'll tell you why I'm making this statement. The statement is that humans appear to be hardwired for happiness. And that isn't original to me. In fact, in your notes, uh, you'll also find a green sheet today. And if you could pull that out right now and take a look at this, where it says happiness is a universal desire. The reason I printed all of these on there is so you can take this home and fact check me on it, look up these folks and see if these are real quotes and that whole deal. Because what I'm putting before you are quotes from people from different generations, different continents, different disciplines, people that normally don't see eye to eye on a whole lot of things. And all of them are testifying to the fact that humans appear hardwired for happiness, that happiness appears to be a universal, transcontinental, trans everything desire that we have. We want to be happy. We want to be happy as people. We want to be happy. Here's one of the quotes from your, your um, green sheet. It says this, and this one comes from an 18th century French philosopher of all places. There is only one passion. And what does that philosopher say the passion is? The root passion. Happy, the root happiness, right? And they said, you know, if you boil down everything that you're passionate about, at the root of that, they, this person would argue, is, is happiness. And if you read through those quotes on your own, which I want to encourage you to do, you're going to find that there's quotes not just from pastors and theologians. There's quotes from Aristotle. There's a quote on there from Charles Darwin. There's a quote on there from Anne Frank. All testifying, saying, humans, we want to be happy. Happiness is something that we long for. And it's my experience that if you were to survey your neighbors, they would say, God wants us to be happy too. Especially if you surveyed your non-Christian neighbors. And that's ironic, isn't it? At least some of us, that, that if you talk to people who are not professing Christians... They would say, yes, if there is a God, God would want me to be happy. Most people would say that. In fact, one of the reasons a lot of people aren't in church is because they think church is filled with unhappy people. And that might even fit some of their experience. Church is filled with unhappy people who want me to join them in their unhappiness and say no to all the things that make me happy. There's a whole lot of people that fit that category too. Um, there's a lot of folks that, that said if you had to make two columns, your columns might look like this. On one side, and we'll put this up on the screen, one side you got religion, and then what do you got on the other side? All the stuff that makes me happy. 
For a lot of people, that's how they see things, and it fits their experience because they've tried churches and they've seen that it feels like church is devoid of the things that make me happy. And if I want to be happy and pursue the things that make me happy, I don't want to go in the direction of church because that's a place where they've got all the unhappy people that just do religious stuff that really isn't that fun to do. That saying yes to God, a lot of people think, means saying no to all the fun stuff. So can you see, if that's people's paradigm, why the good news doesn't sound that good to them? Come and join us and be religious and not happy. (laughs) And unfortunately, unfortunately, not only by the behaviors of a lot of people in churches, but even by their words, a lot of people, we reinforce that thinking when we draw lines in the sand and we say, okay, here's the line. And on this side of the line, you have holiness. And on this side of the line, you have happiness. And other people, Christians will say this, and we'll actually take this one on today. They'll say, on this side of the line, you have joy, and on this side, you have happiness. And so we'll reinforce this thinking with the language that we use. So what I want to do today, I'm going to be so bold as to put a thesis out there for you, and then I'll do my best to defend this thesis. Here's the thesis. There's a place to write it in your notes. I'm going to present to you that happiness can be a God-honoring pursuit. That's my thesis. I believe happiness can be a God-honoring pursuit. It's so funny because if I talk to most non-Christians, they'd say, of course, if there is a God. But a lot of Christians are like, whoa, really? Let's start by maybe setting you a little at ease if you are a Christian and you're uncomfortable with this on the screen. I did put the words can be, all right? Did you see that? Not always is, all right? That one just is common sense, right? Happiness, what you think is happiness and you're pursuing it, is it always a God-honoring pursuit? No. If you're pursuing the joy of getting revenge, is that a happy, good pursuit? No, it's, it's not. Not everything that you think makes you happy is a God-honoring pursuit. If you're disregarding God's commands completely and things like that, that's not God-honoring. But I want to also present to you, the same is true for holiness, isn't it? You, if, you were, if you were to pursue holiness in a way that's not God-honoring, then you're not really pursuing something that honors God. Didn't Jesus call the Pharisees out for that? They were pursuing holiness, but the type of holiness they were pursuing was taking them off course. So you can pursue almost anything, and it could be God-honoring or not God-honoring, depending on the God-honoringness of it. Um, That's why it's it's striking that if we took this room and we filled it full of people who were professing Christians only, we just said, only this room, let's just only get people in this room that say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And we ask you to raise your hands. How many of you think that God wants us to be holy? How many hands would go up in that room? All of them, right? Every professing Christian, if you ask them the question, how many of you think God wants you to be holy? Every hand would go up, no hesitation, no disclaimers. But let's say you filled that room with professing Christians and you ask the question, how many of you think God wants you to be happy? There'd be a lot of this, right? And for me, the reason I would be doing this is because I'd be like, well, what do you mean by happy? If you mean just disregard all of God's commands and pursue whatever you want, then of course, no, you can't put your hand up for that. Well, why didn't I have those disclaimers for holiness? And let me even go a step deeper. I think there's a whole lot of folks who are Christians deep down. If you really ask them, do you think God really wants you to be happy? There'd be a lot of people uncomfortable with saying yes. Well, where does that come from? Especially when the founder of our faith said things like this. Here's a passage that we're going to try to, I'm going to try to remember to bring back every week. 
These are the words of Jesus of Nazareth. And they're not just recorded by anyone. They're recorded by one of his followers who heard him say this. And someone who went on, on, put his life on the line to say he really said this. This is from the book of John, the book of John, chapter 15, starting with verse, well, just with verse 11. It says this. These things I have spoken to you. These are the direct quote from Jesus. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus said that. Now, it's been a long, long time since I said, you know, we should do a memory verse. It's been a long time. I think it was our Chippewa days. We used to be at Chippewa Middle School, and we did a memory verse in one of our series. I think it would be a good old, good grown-up memory verse to do. So let's repeat this together out loud. Would you repeat this with me? These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. John fifteen eleven. Let's try that again. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. John fifteen eleven. One more time. Try to close at least one eye if you can. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. John fifteen eleven. I think this would be a good one to get in here for a lot of us. That God wants his joy to be in us that our joy may be full. Did Jesus of Nazareth want his followers to be filled with joy? Yes. And unfortunately, there's Christian preachers and bloggers and authors who preach and teach and blog that joy belongs over here and happiness belongs over there. And I want to encourage you when you hear things like that to fact check people. Fact check me, fact check others, because just because someone says something doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And there's a whole lot of people spreading this out there. Let me give you a contrarian, actually not a contrarian. Let, let me show you what Christians have taught and what I believe the languages have said all along about that. Here's the position that many Christian, good intentioned Christian bloggers, writers, um, they, they say, you've got joy, if this represents joy. And they say joy is something you want to pursue and joy, the joy of the Lord, it is solid. It is strong. You can have the joy of the Lord regardless of your circumstance. That, that's what they'll teach. And then they'll say happiness is something very different. Happiness, joy is like heavenly. It's closer to heaven. Happiness is more earthly. It's down lower. And it's not solid like joy. It comes and it goes. And so they say, here's what you see in the scriptures. You see there's the joy of the Lord. That's what we should pursue. And there's happiness. Don't pursue that. So when you're talking with someone about Christian things, don't tell them to be happy. Tell them to be joyful. So that, that's the teaching. The only problem I have with that teaching is everything. <laughs> that's the only problem I have. Be, because if you look at the English meanings of the word happiness and joy, if you look at the Greek meanings of words that are translated as happiness and joy, if you look at the Hebrew meanings of words that are translated as joy, and you look at them in context, the languages don't say that, and the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, again, I want to encourage you to fact-check people. I remember one Christian author, he said, in the King James Version, um, you can find the word joy, but not the word happiness. And now the King James Version has been revised a little bit too long lines, but at that time he said that that was, that was true. Well, that may have been true, 
But guess what word was in the King James Bible? Happy. So happiness wasn't, but happy was. You know, it, it's just not that simple. Can you have happiness that is so strong and solid? I'm going to make the case that that's true. Can you have joy that's not? I'm going to make that case for as best I can. Here, here's what you actually see if you study the, the languages, if you, um, if you look into the context. What you find is in Greek, in Hebrew, in English, you've got joy and you've got happiness and there's a whole lot of overlap, whole lot of overlap. I put a, ref, a recommendation in your notes uh, of a book, and this guy spends like 10 chapters um, making the case for this. And, and he doesn't just do happiness and joy. He says, you could take a word like delight. You can take a word like blessing. You take a word like cheer. You took a word like merriment. And in English, in Greek, in Hebrew, there's a ton of overlap between these words. I had someone come up to me um, after the first service and she said, thank you for teaching this because I brought one of my friends to church once and they weren't a Christian and went to the church service and after the church service, the, the friend said, why did you start changing like all your words when you stepped through the door of the church? Because when you're with me, you use the word happy and then you don't, you don't use that word there. You only have to use the word joy. And, and it just, it confuses people. Now, I'm going to keep pressing into this and see if, if it, again, you have to fact-check me on this, too. Just because I say it, obviously, doesn't make it, doesn't make it right. The, um, the author of that book that I recommend, Happiness, um, by, uh, what's his name, Randy Alcorn, he spent three years studying happiness, of all things, right? He, he said this. He said, there's at least 18 different Hebrew root words in the Old Testament that are related to the word joy and happiness. And he said in the Greek New Testament, Synonyms for the word joy appear 326 times. Is the Bible a happy book? It is a happy, happy book. And may I present to you that words like joy and happy can both be God-honoring. If you're pursuing God-honoring forms of them. I put a whole bunch of examples in your notes. Here's just one of the examples. This is from the book of Psalms. Chapter 68, verse 3. It says this May the righteous, so we're talking about holy people, right? May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be what? Happy and joyful. Do you have to choose one or the other? No. In the Bible, Hebrew and Greek words that we translate as happiness and joy are often used interchangeably, which is often the case. When you're not talking about like an apple, when you try to translate languages, there's very often not a direct, perfect translation of the word. So even when we're translating things into English as best we can, there's not always the direct equivalent. Let me show you an example. Ecclesiastes, and this one's in your notes, along with one, I think, from Isaiah, of how when translators try to accurately translate the Bible into English, they struggle with words where there's a lot of overlap. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. One translation, the NASB, which tries to be very true to correct interpretation, says this. Eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart. In the ESV, which is a translation that we use a lot, especially when we're trying to study the language, says this. Eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. And then in the NIV, which is one of the most popular English translations in the world, it says this, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. 
And then in the NLT, which is more of a paraphrase, but tries to get the thought down, it says, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart. In the Bible, both joy and happiness, correctly understood, are presented as God-honoring. Just before we move on, I want to show you what this full verse says. And Minnesota Monday, guys, you know who you are. Um, here is your proof text for Minnesota Mondays. Uh, it's a, go ahead, eat your food with joy, and drink your wine with a happy heart for God approves of this. So if you need to make up a t-shirt, Minnesota Monday guys, you know who you are. If you need to make up a t-shirt with a Bible verse, you can feel good about it. I've, I've, I got your back. All right, here we go. Does God want us, for the record, does God want us to be holy? Yes, he wants us to be holy. Does God want us to be joyful? Yes, he wants to be joyful. Does God want us to be happy? Yes, he wants us to be happy. In fact, your happiness brings God great joy. And if we let that fact sink in, it can be a game changer. Not just for our relationship with God, as we see him as a God that desires us to be joyful and happy, but also as we try to share the good news with people. Because now the good news is actually good, right? The good news is actually good. I mean, if I think back when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, I'll be honest, heaven did not sound all that great as a teenager, because God said no to the things I wanted to say yes to, right? Maybe a lot of you can relate. I'm seeing a lot of nods on this one. But the reason I wanted to say yes to heaven is because hell sounded a lot worse. So if I got the alternative, I got heaven here where you can't do anything fun, but hell is really bad. I'm going to be religious so that I can get into the not as bad place. Uh, can anyone else relate to that? Or is it just me? <laughs> Put myself out there sometimes. So, so that was my perspective. Um, if I'm, if I'm being honest and it took time for me to really get it. In fact, it really didn't click. It started to click a little bit late high school, but it really started to click in college. And I might even, I wrote down after the first service, I wrote down, I might even tell you a story next, next, um, next week when it really started to click that, wait a minute, this is about following Jesus. It's really about finding greater joy. It's really about finding lasting happiness that's what it was like. And then I remember when I, when I was in college and they started asking me to come and speak at youth groups and things like this, I would go there and my favorite topic, my favorite thing to speak on was God doesn't say no to all the fun stuff. That was my favorite topic. Cause it was like, this is, I got to tell people this. Did you know that God wants you to have fun? And it was just, it was a game changer for me. Following Christ is not a choice between religion and happiness. There are choices in Christianity. But it's more like this. Let's put that other column up on the board here, the other two columns. It's not about religion or the fun stuff. That's not Christianity. Christianity is more like this. Do you want God's help or do you not want God's help when it comes to discerning the right parties or discerning the right way to approach relationships? or to, uh, the right way to approach success, the right way to appro approach the accumulation of things. Do you want God's help or do you not want God's help? It's not this list or this list. It's do you want help with the list? The choices, at least that I see in the Bible, and again, I want to encourage you to fact check me on this. 
The choices that I see presented in the Bible are not choices between happiness or holiness, not between happiness or joy. Here's the choices I see in the scripture. I see choices between truth and lies. Are you going to believe the truth or are you going to believe the lies? I see choices between wisdom and foolishness. Are you going to take the path of wisdom or are you going to take the path of foolishness? I see choices between righteousness and unrighteousness. Are you going to go the right way or the wrong way? I see choices between good and evil. I see choices between life and death. Those are the choices that I see in the scripture. And God wants to help. Does he want you to be happy? Yes. And here's the kind of happy he wants for you. He wants you to have happiness that you won't regret. Let me say that one again. That is huge. God wants you to have happiness that you don't regret. Let's put our memory verse back on the screen one more time. Please say it with me. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Now, as this series continues, I'm really excited for the weeks to come because what we're going to do is we're going to press into the context where this quote came from. And it is shocking when you consider Jesus said this in the context that he said it. This comes in a passage that we're going to look at. We're going to look, we only have time to just touch on chapter 14 of John, but next week I want to dig into chapter 15, and then the week after that, the chapter 16 and chapter 17. Many of you know this context. This was given, this quote about my joy in you, your joy full, this quote was given from Jesus on the night of his betrayal by one of his closest followers. This quote was given. This, these words were spoken by Jesus the night before his crucifixion. And he's saying, I want my joy to be in you, that your joy may be full. Again, we don't have much time left here today, but let's make sure that we take a look at it, at it get a start on this context because it's so amazing. If you have your Bibles with you, please open with me to John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. And as we're opening up our Bibles together, I just want to take another opportunity to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the reason I'm saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you is because at our staff meeting, those who weren't out having babies and grandbabies, um, we huddled up together, our our staff, and we were talking about Easter. And one of the things that uh, Jennifer said, she goes, we went through a lot of Bibles, a lot of Bibles on Easter. We give away free Bibles. If you don't have a Bible at home, We'd love for you to take one home today free. We keep them every week. We keep a stack at the exits. And she said, we went through a lot of Bibles. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who are regulars here because your generosity makes that possible. And it helps us to break stereotypes because one of the stereotypes is Christians aren't happy people. And you guys break that each and every week when people come and go, wait a minute, these people are actually happy. <laughs> you know. And then the other stereotype is we're always asking, asking, asking. And it's so great when people can come and get, get, get for a while. And so thanks for not only giving generously, but the other thing is, thanks for supporting that. Because it's easy when budgets are tight and all this kind of stuff to be able to say, oh, let's not give away so much. Thank you. I've never once had someone say, don't give away so many Bibles. Don't give away so much free stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. What were we going to look at? Oh, yeah. John 14, verses 1 through 2. And it, it says this. These are the words of Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. And he's saying this. He's about to. Be killed. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's why they have the solid line around that joy. That's why we want the solid line about the happiness. That's what we're looking at. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? The title of this series is The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. Imagine this with me. There's a place, a magical kingdom called Disneyland. And they have a tagline. The tagline for Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. It should also have another subtitle that says the most expensive vacation for a family on earth, right? So imagine this as we talk about many rooms and preparing a place for us. Imagine if somebody said, I have paid the price for you. And if you have a family, your whole family to go. And I've got plane tickets, first class plane tickets reserved for you. I paid the price. I've got beautiful room in one of the Disney resorts for you. I paid the price. Uh, you got tickets and you get the really cool pass, like the, not, not even the fast pass, that really cool pass the celebrities get and stuff like that where you just skip lines all together, right? You, you, got, you got it all. I've paid the price. I've prepared the way. Anyone, would anyone pursue that offer? Would anyone go after that? Of course, most of us would. Well, let's look at what Jesus says here. Let's jump ahead to verse 5. Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, said to Jesus, are you talking about rooms here? Lord, we don't know the way you're going. How can we know the way? And then look what Jesus says. And this was one of the memory verses that we used to have for our teenagers. Some of you were in the youth group back in the day. Remember that? We used to teach John 14, 6, you know? He says, I am the way. That's what Jesus said. I am the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's what he says. The gospels speak of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And is that a future reality? Yes. Is that heaven? Yes. And, 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 it's a kingdom that we can enter now. Is the one to come going to be better? Absolutely. But there is a kingdom of God that we can enter now where our happiness can be qualitatively different. Our joy can be qualitatively different. As cheesy as this next thing sounds, I want to encourage you to write it down. It sounds cheesy, but the reason I'm having you write it down is because it's the truth. Jesus is the way into the happiest kingdom on earth. Sorry I couldn't make that less cheesy. But isn't it true? He is the way into the happiest kingdom on earth. And the invitation that Jesus extends here again for the record, as clear as I can make it, it is not just, I will be waiting when you die with a ticket at the pearly gates for you. It is more, much more than that, is an invitation right here, right now to enter into the kingdom of God and to begin pursuing his joy, pursuing his happiness, pursuing his holiness. It is through the death and resurrection. It is through the example and teaching. It is through his body on earth, the church, that God made a way through Jesus for us to enter this kingdom now because he paid that price to begin experiencing more and more of his joy and his peace as we follow in his footsteps. I love this quote that I came across uh, this week by Jonathan Edwards. He writes this. He says, happiness is the end purpose of creation. For certainly it was the goodness of the creator that moved him to create 
that he might delight in seeing the creatures that he made rejoice. Parents, we want to see our kids happy. We want to see our kids happy. Does God want to see you happy? He wants to see you happy. That's why he made us. He delights in that. Is the best yes yet to come on the other side of eternity? Of course. But God wants us to navigate. He wants to help us navigate this world. He wants to help us make those choices that are life-giving. Help us to find the joy without regret, the happiness without regret. He wants to help. Instead of just letting us go our own way and messing that up. Let's jump ahead to verse 15. It says this. Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And if you, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. He will be in you. And here we have one of these clear choices or clear verses that our choices do matter. Our choices do matter. Does God want you to be happy? Yes. Does he want you to follow his commandments? Yes. Are these two at odds? No, they're not. They're not. His commandments help steer us towards that deeper, richer happiness slash joy. The happiest happy, the most joyful joy are the happiness and joy that come from being right with God and right with people. The Hebrew had a, people had a word for that. They called it shalom. And it's such a beautiful word. There, there's no direct equivalent in English. There's no direct equivalent, I don't think, even in Greek that fully captures the richness of the word Shalom. It's a word that we translate as peace, but that doesn't even scratch the surface of this word. It is really about being right. Things are right with God. Right with yourself. Right with your neighbors. Right with your nation. And to that end, to help us experience that kind of peace with God and each other, God has sent us a helper. And this is a hard word to translate too. If you look at different um, scriptures. Some are going to translate that word helper as helper. Some are going to translate it as counselor. Some are going to translate it as, as a, a guide. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. God's going to send a Holy Spirit to lead us, to empower us, to transform our hearts and our minds, to help us discern truth and lies, wisdom and foolishness, righteousness, unrighteousness, good and evil, life and death, so that we can experience more peace. More of God's peace. Let's look at one last verse here together. John 14, verse 27. These are the words of Jesus. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And this really picks up well for where we left off on Easter, doesn't it? And I didn't plan this. We've left off on Easter saying, hey, fear can be good. If fear helps you not to be so secure in your own decision making, if it drives you to your father, fear can be a good thing. And it can be if it makes us say, okay, God, I don't have to trust you to find this peace that I'm looking for. I got to trust you with it. I need your spirit. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your help, your wisdom, your guidance to find your peace. And as I was doing my prep and I was reading different books and I was looking at some different resources, there was a, a podcast I looked at and the pastor made a great point. He said, if you ever meet a person who is truly happy, a person who is truly happy, not the momentary, 
you know, kind of flickering happy, but big, strong, robust happiness. You meet a person like that, they have peace. You won't meet a truly happy person who doesn't have peace. God wants to give you his peace. So you can be happy and you can be joyful. That's beautiful. Today, Jesus of Nazareth, the way, the truth, and the life. He offers you his joy. He offers you his peace. Will you pursue that? Will you pursue it? Will you say to him, okay, I confess, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Will you do that? Will you humble yourself and say, I will come under your commands. You get to make the rules. I will trust you. I'll come under your commands. And will you open yourself up to say, I'm not going to just trust my own heart. I'm not going to trust my own mind. I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to renew my heart and renew my mind. And that's actually one of the reasons why we made a decision to have communion this Sunday, even though we had it on Good Friday and we had it on Easter. We talked for about three seconds. Should we offer it, you know, do a three-peat? And we said, of course, because isn't this really about getting our compass reoriented? And isn't that what, what communion is? Where you come before God and you just say, God, examine my heart. Where have I been walking away? Where have I been going my own way today? I want to come back to you. Reveal to my heart, reveal to my mind the, 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 the ways in which I've been resisting your commands or resisting your, you know, your, your lordship over my life. And today I want to come back to you. So we want to give you that opportunity today to respond, to take a literal step towards Christ, either for the first time or for the first time again, as we commemorate his sacrifice through the sacrament of holy communion. Please continue to pray with me. Father, now we pray that, that these words that were spoken together, that now you would help us to personalize those in our own lives. That, Holy Spirit, you will bring to our mind and to our heart the ways in which we've been trying to go our own way instead of your way. The ways where we've been pursuing a happiness that we're going to regret later. Lord, bring these things to mind that we can experience your peace, your joy, your happiness. Lord, I'm so excited to be able to offer this sacrament to my brothers and sisters here. And we pray, Lord, that we be able to worship you now in spirit and in truth. Amen.